Today's show is sponsored by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need most right when they need it from anywhere. Organizations around the world trust Okta's identity cloud to sign in, authorize, and manage users, whether it's employees, contractors, partners, or customers. And with Okta's developer tools, you'll never have to build authentication again. Our customizable code blocks are flexible and future-proof with easy-to-use APIs and SDKs, so you can do less coding and more shipping. Okta is dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at Okta.com. That's O K. T-A.com. Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delb and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hope everybody is doing well as we continue to plow through April, uh, the later part of April here, 2021. Let's get right into Cloud News of the Week, kind of a, an odd odds and ends uh, portion of uh, Cloud News of the Week. Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, so let's dive right into it. Uh, first off, Dell announced that it is finally spinning out VMware. Uh, this has been rumored for well over a year that uh, you know Dell was <clears throat> looking to uh, kind of shore up their financial situation, be able to take some cash out of their uh, ownership stake in VMware, also take some cash out of VMware's uh, uh, dividend and so forth. So um, that's planned, uh, not an official date yet, but uh, they, they laid out the finances of what that's going to look like both for Dell shareholders as well as VMware shareholders. So kind of an interesting uh, situation for the most part uh, Dell is is able to um, you know sell off an asset that's up uh, also be able to take some cash out of the situation a one-time dividend um, and then the speculation begins as to you know what will happen with VMware Dell uh, continues to hold a uh, a large stake in VMware somewhat of a controlling stake um, that will change somewhat uh, by not necessarily owning all of it but they still do own a, a controlling portion of it uh, but it does begin to have some speculation about uh, what might happen next for VMware you know they have not yet uh, announced their new CEO. Um, you know, still some speculation it'll be Sanjay Poonin, but uh, that has not uh, come to terms yet. And uh, then there's some speculation about you know who may end up uh, acquiring VMware if uh, you know if they you know don't necessarily survive as a independent company. So um, you know that's not a, a thing that's going to happen right away. But uh, there is some speculation out there. Maybe it'll be Google. Maybe it'll be Intel. Maybe it'll be somebody else uh, looking to step up to uh, acquire VMware once they go back to being independent. Next thing on the list, uh, we're beginning to get into uh, quarterly cloud uh, earnings season. Uh, IBM announced their first profit uh, in over four quarters. So first profit for uh, Arvind uh, Krishnan, new CEO, of re well, recent CEO of IBM. Uh, their cloud business grew... Um, their revenues were up to sort of an annualized run rate of around $21 billion. Uh, a lot of that comes out of the division, uh, or that's part of the uh, cloud and cognitive computing group. Uh, Red Hat within the IBM was up 17% uh, quarter over quarter. So again, that uh, group continues to grow at a pretty healthy rate. So IBM, uh, first profitable quarter, uh, some of that probably coming from the restructuring they're doing around the new company. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, just some changes in the overall uh, uh, cloud speculative market. So interesting to watch that. We will probably have uh, the other cloud providers typically come a couple of weeks after that. So we'll see AWS, Azure, Google, Alibaba, Oracle uh, announced in the next couple of weeks, and we'll cover those. 
Uh, third thing, um, you know, in the continuing saga of what is your open source license, uh, Grafana Labs decided to re uh, relicense or reallocate the license for the Grafana, Loki, and Tempo projects. Those are being moved to the AGPL v3 license. So this is not the exact same license as adopted by uh, Mongo and uh, uh, and some others, but um, or Elasticsearch and Mongo. But uh, you know, moving to a more restrictive license, and they did sort of cite uh, you know the way that those companies have have evolved their business as sort of a model of what uh, Grafana Labs is trying to do. So this will be an interesting thing to watch. Uh, I know there's been a lot of speculation about what happens when you change your model from a very uh, open model to a less permissive model. So that'll be an interesting to watch. And then a couple things that are sort of cloud-related and then sort of uh, technology-related. Uh, Netflix uh, announced their subscriber growth had slowed uh, after massive, massive gains in 2020. Um, they slowed down a little bit. Um, now, they still grew, still grew about uh, 24%. Uh, but there's some speculation that uh, this, some of this may have been done because of the uh, competition from other streaming services, HBO, Disney, and, and plenty of others out there. And some of this is speculation that, uh, you know, this is just, there were so many people that signed up in 2020. Uh, because of the pandemic, that uh, their growth numbers were probably going to be misforecasted as they try and get back to some sort of normalcy of what uh, viewing patterns look like, as well as sort of a lack of, of content that was newly created in 2020 because of the pandemic. Then the final thing, uh, and this sort of affects those of you that, uh, that listen to podcasts, and we're always thankful that you listen to our podcast, um, Apple announced that it's going to offer a subscription service for podcasts. Now, this will be an optional thing uh, that different podcasts will be able to opt into. So, you know, as of today, the podcast continues to be, uh, the Cloudcast continues to be free. Cloudcast Basic continues to be free. Uh, we have no intention of changing that. Um, I know there are plenty of podcasts out there that have uh, moved to a, a Patreon model. Um, so this Apple model is sort of... Uh, fashioned after the Patreon model in which you'd have the ability to, uh, you know, to sign up uh, as a sort of monthly subscriber. So uh, just sort of throwing that out there for those of you that follow the podcast space, Aaron and I don't have any uh, immediate plans to do that. And if we do, we will give you plenty of plenty of heads up and make sure that uh, the experience that you get with Cloudcast never really changes unless, you know, you want to change the relationship between us. So with that kind of wrap up Cloud News of the Week, like I said, a lot of uh, a lot of different odds and ends sort of all over the place in terms of what the news was, but kind of uh, always keeps it interesting because there's always a lot going on. So with that, we're going to wrap up and uh, Aaron and I get a chance to talk to our good friends over at Intel about kind of the evolution of what's happening with silicon in the cloud right after the break. Today's show is sponsored by Zesty and Zesty wants to know if you've had enough with managing your AWS commitments. If it were only purchasing commitments, fine. But let's face it, the capacity planning, the back and forth, the ongoing optimization, choosing between one year, three year, savings plans, reserves instances. Don't you want to just get back to being an engineer again? This is where Zesty comes in, a fully automated commitment management solution that achieves over 45% discounts on your EC2 with a 100% buyback guarantee. What does that mean? It means you'll never over-provision again. So join DevOps teams like Gong, Armis, Amdocs, WalkMe, and Firebolt, and be an engineer again while achieving the highest savings hands-free. Just go to zesty.co slash savings to get your free potential savings evaluation. It takes no more than five minutes. That's zesty.co slash savings. Today's show is sponsored by O'Reilly. O'Reilly is known for its animal books, which have helped tech professionals stay ahead for over 40 years. Today, its online learning platform at O'Reilly.com takes learning tech to the next level. Sure, your teams get access to thousands of books and videos, but there's also interactive learning where they can get hands-on with tech like Kubernetes, Python, Docker, Java, and more in live dev environments. 
so they learn by doing, not just reading. With live online sessions, your teams learn from the biggest brains in AI, software architecture, cloud, data, programming, and more. They can even prep for tech certification exams with official materials and interactive practice tests. And then there's O'Reilly Answers. You just ask the search engine any tech question and it takes you right to the best answers from O'Reilly's renowned books. It's why 66% of all Fortune 100 companies give their teams O'Reilly Online Learning. Get a demo today at O'Reilly.com. That's O'Reilly.com. And we're back. And, you know, Aaron, uh, we thought going into, you know, the last year or so, or actually the last number of years, you know, we, we kind of felt like, you know, software was eating the world. Every conversation we were having was, was about software, software, software. And I feel like the last six months or so, it has been like this resurgence of, you know, hardware discussions, hardware-centric discussions, uh, you know, changes in the industry and the cloud. Are, are you surprised how much we've sort of seen this, this sort of reemergence after so many years of software? Well, it just it just goes to show you, you know, at a certain level, everything in our industry, we, we tend to call it waves, but it's really more cycles, right? And everything that, that goes out of phase and then comes back into phase and history will repeat itself in our industry, if nothing else, right? Everything gets distributed, then everything centralizes and we repeat, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of informally call this this episode, you know, why why silicon matters in the cloud and you know there's there's no better folks to talk to about what's going on in that space than uh, than our friends at intel so excited to have uh, gary binder who is chief security architect at intel join us today to, to talk about some of that gary welcome to the show great to have you on yeah thank you brian it's good to be here um so before we dive into this because obviously this is a space that uh, that you cover all the time give us a little bit of your background you've got uh, a pretty rich background in in quite a few areas of of uh of where this intersects the cloud but give us a little bit of your background before we get started sure yeah i started in intel um quite a few years ago and i've worked at a couple of different companies and found found myself back at intel and and um i have focused um, on building out solutions, uh, often software-based, but hardware as well. And uh, I spent a lot of time working with security. So, you know, everything from from networking to development security, best practices, identity and access management, you know, detective controls um, in the monitoring space, intrusion detection and so forth, crypto, zero trust. And so I, I, I'm one of those guys that I'm always the life of the party. I focus on, on cybersecurity. <laughs> so glad to be here. You're, you're talking about the crypto that uh, is not, uh, not getting everybody rich with Bitcoin. You gotta, you gotta remind everybody. <laughs> the other one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although, I, yeah, I wish I, I wish I had a good, a get rich, uh, quick scheme to share with everybody, but, uh, I don't, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so Gary, we've, we've done, Quite a few shows with Intel actually over the years. Um, this is where we were first introduced to you know, how much Intel really does, especially behind the scenes in public cloud. Like we'll hear numbers thrown out about how big public clouds are growing, and you'll hear, oh, they're you know adding so many nodes a day or some of these other things, right? So, can you give us a sense of how much? Intel has evolved to help really these cloud providers deliver both scale and performance that they do today. Yeah, sure. And, um, you know, we, we focus on doing 
the best we can and and not only doing the best we can, but figuring out how to make our best better uh, on an ongoing basis and for our customers and whether it's, you know, OEMs or, or cloud providers, um, you know, we we do our best to, f- to focus and, and make sure that they're getting what they need. So a lot of that really is in, in many regards is is assuming the position of 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 closed mouth and, and open ears. Um, and, and we work hard to, to embrace that. And sometimes we do better than other days, but, um, you know, their, their needs are, are unique and emerging in many regards. And there's a lot of innovation that goes on there. Um, and a lot of problems that you would see in a massive data center deployment that, that, you know, the industry frankly has never seen before. And so, um, a lot of our work is is really you know understanding and trying to trying our best to um, to put in place technologies that will solve those unique problems and the partnership that we have to embrace to do that is unique. Um, it's uh, you know combine that with the fact that um, turnaround times for a lot of these features is not as fast as we'd like it to be um, in in that we're building hardware, right? And, um, and so software appreciated the discussion that you guys were having, but, you know, from a software perspective, there are times when I can, you know, drop uh, a couple of different revisions of a particular software solution, you know, out and available on the internet, you know, during a single day. Um, we have not yet figured out how to do that from hardware. Um, but, uh, you never know. We might, uh, w- you know, working towards agility and and um, and flexibility is something that uh, is top on our priority list as well. Yeah, it's the <clears throat> the great challenge of having to have uh, you know very very long foresight into uh, you know where the world's going to go in you know three years, five years, and and kind of plan for that today. You know, a few months ago, we uh, we had a chance to talk to one of your colleagues specifically about uh, about confidential commute computing, which was you know, an interesting conversation to to dive into this intersection between software and, and hardware and, and uh, you know, root of trust and, and those sort of things. Um, you know, we, we, we've all sort of learned over time, and neither one of Aaron and I are security experts, but we sort of learned about defense in depth and the importance of that. Um, can you talk a little more? Because again, like, like you said, your, your background really isn't security. Like, how are we seeing this really kind of manifest itself in terms of, um, you know, you know, software nowadays, whether it's, uh, you know, encryption, um, you know, ciphers or, uh, you know, new code bases that are able to take advantage of some of the stuff that's, that's in the new hardware, right. That's in this new ice lake architecture that's in, um, uh, you know, it's in SG, S, uh, SGX and so forth. Like how is some of that stuff actually manifest itself? We hear about it, but like, you know, how would, how would people sort of, uh, you know, application developers or system designers, like how would they really kind of go uh, take advantage of this? Yeah, great question. And I think you, I think you hit it squarely on the head with your, your comments about defense and depth, because um, a lot of these technologies, you know, and it's, and it's interesting, a lot of these technologies are, you know, a, a, sometimes a new ingredient of defense and depth, you know, so back in the, in the seventies, defense and depth meant, you know, a, a fence and uh, a dog um, and a few other things kind of protecting the, you know, the mini computer, whatever it happened to be, right? Um, and um, the, the, as time has gone on, we've added more things and those things are, 
you know, sometimes multi-factor authentication. Of course, we all use this almost every day with our, you know, often with our phones and, and, um, and, and so this is yet, uh, you know, confidential computing, I, I would argue is yet another further, you know, um, evolution in some cases, a revolutionary step in that direction is to provide, you know, more defense and depth and additional controls in another layer, right. Where we can add some protections, um, with SGX, uh, SGX is a technology that Intel has been working on for many years um, and has made available on the client um, for many years and now uh, in the server space. And it provides some additional um, some additional controls. Those controls specifically are to provide um, not only some platform and application attestation to make sure that yes, I am running on the on on a you know, real piece of hardware that has these controls on it. Um, but the applications that I'm running um, are the ones that I think they are. And um, and so provides those mechanisms, but um, it also provides some uh, additional protections in uh, through encrypted memory. And um, this is an area where establishing yet that perimeter, another boundary around a portion of an application um, that runs within memory and uh, and has encrypted data, um, you know, preventing uh, a variety of or, or helping to to make much more difficult a variety of attacks that are that um, that we've known about as an in, in as an industry for many years um, is what it provides. From from an application developer standpoint, um, there really are a couple of models that we can that we can use um, to take advantage of SGX, and and the first model is is one that that folks may be familiar with is is take your application find a choke point in that application where everything on one side is kind of highly secure i've i'm using my keys over there i've got some of the most sensitive data over there whether it's privacy or you know healthcare uh, data or what have you um, and then plop that into what we call an enclave uh, within the within the processor and that what that does of course is is make sure that that um, those secrets that we're trying to maintain on the platform are kept um, as close as possible with the smallest trust boundary. Um, so that's model number one. And what you get out of that one is this kind of maximum performance and um, and flexibility. And um, model number two, and this is one that we're working on, and and um, a number of our partners in the industry are also helping with is you know, container-based, is there a way to, and the answer is yes, and otherwise I wouldn't have mentioned it, but is there a way to take, you know, a container application and drop that in entirety into an enclave and make it, you know, and make it work? And this is an area where we have some extremely promising results, um, and, and the benefits here are clearly, uh, you know, the application developers um, were, were not necessarily involved in the process, it's something that happened downstream during deployment, and I decided, you know, what this microservice, this container, um, these functions, what what have you, are something I really want to protect, and so I'm going to make that decision downstream and put those into an enclave and protect them in that regard. And and Gary, so the enclave, I'm going to take it one step further, um, in a public cloud context, because that's where we wanted to really talk about all of this. You know, what what I'm kind of used to is okay, hey, let's pick an instance type, and you're presented with this super long list, and it's like, all right, maybe it's based off of processor type or memory type, or does it have a GPU or not, or something like that. 
how do we raise awareness that that some of these native capabilities are available across cloud providers, you know, such as any of the big public clouds that are out there? Like what, you know, is there a way to expose that in the, in I'll use the term, the pick list, or is there software features that, that um, you know, come out? How, how do we raise awareness or exposure into something that's going to take advantage of Enclave or SGX or something like that? Right. Yeah. Great question. This is, and this is the practical aspect of, of, okay, I, I want to go use it. Right. Um, so what I'll tell you is, is, you know, we, we had a fantastic launch uh, of our Ice Lake family um, third generation Xeon processor um, earlier this month. And um, so there's uh, it, while, while we've shipped quite a few units over a hundred thousand, you know, prior to that launch, um, there's the best is yet to come as they say. Um, and so there are some cases currently, um, where, uh, where individuals can go out and, and already start the process of identifying, you know, what, what cluster do I want to run on, um, or instance and, and how can I, you know, start to leverage these capabilities. Um, what you'll find over time is that more and more, uh, availability, you know, will be will be present and and uh, be easier to find and those sorts of things. So, you know, AKS Azure. Um, there's a there's a page I was looking at the other day where they've got a lot of examples of of confidential computing that you can use. But we're also working with a variety of other companies in in making sure that that these capabilities are deployed and easy to find and easy to use. Yeah, it make, makes sense. And that's, I think, like you said, sort of that that first look for confidential computing. We're starting to see that pop up more and more at, at the at the major cloud providers. Um, you know, as, as you look at that space, I mean, you you, you mentioned you know, you, you've worked with uh, you know companies that are in their own data center, but you know, you're also working with with the cloud providers. Um, you know, from from a security perspective, and and knowing what you can do, you know, in the silicon level, and the fact that. Um, you know, new versions of of the silicon tend to come out in the cloud faster, right? You know, every couple quarters or every you know year or so, we're sort of seeing, oh, it's available, it's available now. The data centers don't tend to turn them over nearly as quickly. As you think about that, like, what are how does that manifest itself into maybe some security things that you can do in the cloud that either are going to be better than your data center or just you know aren't yet of you know aren't really reasonable to do in your data center Any, anything sort of jump to mind in, in terms of taking advantage of of this the pace at which they're they're bringing silicon innovation yeah absolutely um it, you know when you when you look at the cloud um in the public cloud and specifically you know we um there are some things where uh, and and some specific you know technologies and approaches and administrative controls that are that lend themselves very nicely to economies of scale. And, and I think that's where the cloud really um, takes advantage of and provides those capabilities to, um, to their customers. And it's, you know, if you're going to provide a, a firewall technology, for example, um, it's so much better to provide it to millions of <laughs> millions of implementations than it is to provide it to one, um, and that applies to you know compliance and and detective controls and and um, and this is and this is exactly the the space where we expect to 
you know, there, there will come a time, you know, they often say that legacy is the best that a solution can ever get, right? As, and whether you believe that or not, you know, there will come a time when confidential computing is something that, that we take for granted and um, the ability to run uh, uh, solutions and, and software within, you know, a, a hardware protected uh, enclave, you know, regardless of, of what the, the marketing terminology is, is something that I think is, is something to look forward to and help enable, right? Is we want to get there where, it's, of course, I run it in a, you know, of course, I use confidential computing um, that's rooted in hardware. And, and I think getting to that position um, is something that will help solve uh, a lot of the challenges that we have. And I think, you know, embracing that at cloud scale is one of the best ways to to lead the charge in that regard. So, Gary, one last topic, and then we'll we'll let you go. Um, <clears throat> and it's it's maybe going in a slightly different direction here, right? So, so our exposure to Intel over the years, you know, there, there turns out there's a lot of programs that that quite frankly, a lot of times just don't get enough exposure, right? And, and, and maybe don't come to light because Intel maybe is sometimes considered one step removed at times from the direct engagement. And, and so what are some ways that people can more directly engage with Intel? Is it, is it developer tools? Is it reference architectures? Um, I, I know Intel creates a lot. So this is kind of your, your, your chance to get, talk about that and evangelize uh, some of those programs a little bit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you're right. Um, it, you know, it's, it's a constant battle um, to, to be able to, um, you know, on one hand, it's a it's a great thing to have seven billion customers um, or or close to it. Uh, on the other hand, there are some challenges that come with that as well. And um, so, we we work very hard to try to come up with ways to interact with uh, end customers at scale. Um, we have programs like the Select Solutions program, um, where we um, uh, develop. Uh, recipes um, for solutions, and these recipes are uh, the intent is is to try to simplify the way that um, a solution gets built out to scale, um, and that's just one way. You know, working with um, with the folks that we work with is also a really good way. So, from a from a, a cloud scale perspective, you know, when when um, when folks are out there um, utilizing some of the features uh, that are available, and some of these features are just fantastic, you know, to accelerate the, you know, artificial intelligence or security solutions or what have you, is just utilizing those in general um, and providing candid feedback um, is a is a great way to, uh, you know, to help evolve things um, in a way that's that's productive and useful and ultimately beneficial to everybody. Um, as you know, as I said, it's, you know, there are some challenges, um, and our goal is, is not necessarily to say, Hey, we've, okay, now we've figured it out. This is the way we're going to interact, or this is the way we're going to, you know, take feedback, but rather is how can we do better on a day by day basis, um, in engaging with, with our end customers. And, and so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. It's about continuous improvement in that regard and, and trying to be, you know, like I said, better listeners, um, 
as uh, as time goes on. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's like you said, it's uh, it, it's the it's a it's a challenge to be sort of matching all the innovation that that uh, that goes on, and and then you know trying to to figure out the best way to like you said. Uh, uh, listen more than than you talk and so forth. So, very very cool stuff, Gary. I, you know, we could we could go on for for a lot a long time in a lot of these areas. But we appreciate the the insight just into you know how do you manage um, you know like like we talked about this huge innovation roadmap that's that's that never stops with customers that have you know necessarily in the cloud uh, you know scale challenges and performance challenges that that we've never seen before. So it's it's always fascinating to kind of get the insight on that. Uh, if, if people ever wanted to kind of reach out to you and, and pick your brain, follow up on some of these things, what's, uh, what's potentially good ways to either engage with you or engage around the types of things that, that you're working on? Well, uh, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and I think we can provide, um, provide that actually pretty easy to find there. Um, I also have a, a unique email address, big nerd at intel.com. And, um, so you can use that one as well. And, um, but love to love to engage in, in, uh, any of these conversations that I can. Yeah, no, that's, and, that's and Gary, we can tell you have some pull just because you have a custom email at Intel. So exactly. that's how we, that, that's, that alone was all you needed to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, oh, that's fantastic! It's it's great. It's great to have it's great to have Pat Gelsinger back. We like we like the spunk he's had. Uh, you know, sort of the, the fight that he's bringing back into this. So we're we're excited for the for the hardware space. Um, Aaron, yeah, I was uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, yes, it's awesome to have Pat back, and in in more ways than one. Um, I I did I have to be honest. I did have moments where I felt like a teenager, and my parents were coming home. Uh, a- after a weekend away, um, and I, I was like, "No, that's that's not what's." But the reality is, is he is um, extremely passionate, extremely focused, and and has has made it, you know, very very clear uh, t- to me and many others that um, uh, that we've got our work uh, ahead of us, and our best best years are ahead, our best products are ahead. Um, and that, uh, we need to move forward and, and embrace, uh, embrace that future. So it's really exciting. Yeah. We, yeah, uh, we fantastic. Won't, we, we won't tell Pat that you, uh, you had a party over the weekend and, uh, ran up the right. on his car. So <laughs> Ferris Bueller style. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Aaron, you want to wrap it up and take us home and maybe, uh, give a little teaser for what we're doing with uh, cloudcast basics as well. Yeah, absolutely. So First of all, thank you everyone for listening. Certainly appreciate your time. Um, and if you do uh, like the show, please go ahead and give us some reviews. We're, we're trying to uh, bump up the reviews a little bit as well. And and if you know somebody in the industry that, that is potentially new to cloud computing, go ahead and refer them to Cloudcast Basics as well. If you're not familiar with it, um, it's uh, showing a slightly different format. What we're doing is we're doing actually seasons and we're dropping those seasons about once a month um and we've got a a new season uh coming up soon as well so be on the lookout for that so just search cloudcast basics in any of your podcast directories and with that um on behalf of brian uh certainly thank you everyone for listening this week and we'll uh look forward to talking to everyone next week thank you for listening to the cloudcast please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows show notes videos and everything social media 